Good morning. It is Monday, October 25th, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. My friends, we are in the book of Zechariah, and Zechariah is littered with different genres of literature. We've come across this before, most notably in the book of Daniel. Daniel's first half of the book is mostly narrative and a little bit of poetry, and but the second half of Daniel is very difficult. There's apocalyptic literature and different genres of prophetic literature there in the second half of Daniel, and we worked hard to kind of work through those passages. Zechariah is the same. There's a mix of many different kinds of genres. And so that requires of us, the readers, as the ones who are trying to read this devotionally and think through it, to kind of switch gears and be on our toes. And I just want to tell you, our passage today is difficult. It's one of those apocalyptic prophetic visions that Zechariah sees, and we need to work hard to see what we can draw out of a passage like this one. So let's give it a shot. Let me read our passage for us today. I'll pray and then we'll dive right into it. This is Zechariah chapter 1, verses 7 through 17. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edu, saying, I saw in the night, and behold, a man riding a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then I said, What are these, my lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, against which you have been angry these seventy years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, Cry out, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For while I was angry but a little, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched over all Jerusalem. Cry out again, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us with the power of your Spirit to interpret this word well. God, as we consider this prophetic vision and try to see what use it has for us here today in the 21st century, Lord, won't you give us wisdom and insight? Amen. I suppose the best place to start is to say right away that there is a wide, a wide range of interpretations for how to look at this passage. And I looked at a diff- couple different ones, and they do overlap a little bit. But I landed on one that I thought was particularly helpful and seems to fit best with the book of Zechariah, especially what's coming down the road. So I'm a big fan of this uh, commentary series called the Christ-Centered Exposition Series. I have multiple ones of these commentaries, and I often look at them when we're doing these devotions. And a lot of what these commentaries do is they take whatever passage, whatever book you're in, and try to draw it constantly back to Christ. It doesn't matter if you're in the Old Testament or you're late in the New Testament. It doesn't matter. All of it's pointing back to Christ. And so this commentary does a good job of kind of breaking down 
this vision and showing how it all points to Jesus in the New Testament. And if you read further down in the book of Zechariah, it becomes so obvious that this book is pointing forward to Christ. And so they take this vision to be a part of that larger theme within the book of Zechariah. So let's look at it. Zechariah has this vision of a horse who's standing among the myrtle trees deep in a glen. And the commentator that, who's kind of breaking this down and interpreting it says that the myrtle trees is a clear, and this is generally agreed on between interpreters and commentators, that the myrtle trees is a clear um, picture of Israel. Israel, the country, is filled with these kind of trees. And many times in the Old Testament, when they talk about myrtle trees, they're talking about Israel. The fact that it's deep in a glen probably is, in, is uh, leaning towards the theme that we see in our passage very clearly, that Israel's in a low spot. They're down on their luck, so to speak, even though clearly don't believe in luck as Christians, but they're just down. It seems like the nations around them are prospering. And this angel of the Lord is standing here on his red horse with three horses behind him. One is red, one is white, and one is sorrel. Commentator notes that this sorrel is the only time this word is ever used in the Old Testament, and it probably means a speckled or brown horse, a mix between the red and the white. And so the Lord, the angel of the Lord, sends out these three horses to go look at the earth. Red probably represents war, white probably represents peace, and brown or speckled probably represents a mix between the two. And the report is, when they come back to this angel of the Lord, the report they find out is that the nations around Israel are at ease. This character, the angel of the Lord, this title is used different times in the Old Testament, but most of the time, he's the mouthpiece of God, delivering news to Israel. But in our passage, he actually intercedes and speaks back to God, saying, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah? against which you have been angry these 70 years. He says basically, hey, Israel and Jerusalem are not doing well. They're down in this glen, this ditch, this low valley, and all the countries around them, the wicked countries who have been oppressing them, are chilling back in their easy chairs, just relaxing, and they're at ease. This character, the angel of the Lord, our commentator, and many commentators think that if this character isn't the second person of the Trinity, it at least is an angel who is supposed to represent the second person of the Trinity. That would, of course, be Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't exist the second that he came to earth as a baby. He is begotten from all eternity. Read John 1 if you have any doubts about that. And in our passage, he does seem to do that. He intercedes between God and his people, just like Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf even now. And the Lord of hosts responds to this angel of the Lord, saying, With gracious and comforting words, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. The God of heaven, the Lord of hosts, after hearing the report of these three horses that have gone out, is saying, I'm not happy with this situation, that my people are still oppressed, my people are still feeling down. And all their oppressors are just chilling in their easy chairs. And so he says, My cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion, and again choose Jerusalem. We took a long time to interpret this passage, and I think we needed to. 
But let's now move to application. How in the world is this prophetic vision applicable to us here on our Monday as we commute to work? Well, I can think of at least two ways. Number one, the Lord, after hearing the report, is not getting any new news. He's not getting any new revelation. This is things he's already known. And he promises these people, his people, that he will pour out rich blessing on him. The language paints a picture of towns that were so blessed by God's abundance that the city walls were not able to hold its wealth. What a picture of how the Lord will abundantly pour out his blessing on his people. My friends, isn't this relatable to who we are today as a people? That though we face oppression and it seems like our voices are being silenced more and more and more, the Lord promises to pour out rich blessing on us. If not in this lifetime, definitely in the next. And the second thing, the thing that I caught most actually in this passage, is the way the Lord responded to the one who interceded. This angel of the Lord intercedes on behalf of the people of Israel. And he says, how long, O Lord, will you treat us like this? How long will you treat your people with such anger? And the God of heaven replies, in gracious and comforting words, it says in verse 13. My friends, this is a picture of what happens to us as believers. As Jesus intercedes on our behalf, as Jesus makes a case for his sinful people, the ones that he bled and died for, our Father in heaven hears the words of the one who intercedes for us and replies graciously and with comforting words to his people. This is an amazing picture of the relationship between the Father and the Son displayed here in the book of Zechariah. We're going to see much more of this. And if this doesn't get us ready for the Advent season, I don't know what will. On Mondays, we always pray for the mission of the church across the globe. So let's pray today for the nation of Peru. Let's pray together. Our God in heaven, Lord, we pray for our day that on this Monday we'll go about knowing that right now, at this very moment, we have someone who is interceding on our behalf, someone who is perfect, someone who bore our sin and conquered it, conquered death, and now sits at your right hand, interceding on our behalf, to which you speak comforting and gracious words to. What a loving Father you are. How lovely it is to go about our day knowing that this is happening right now, that the work of Christ didn't stop at Calvary or at the resurrection, but it continues to this very day. What wonderful news. Lord, today on this Monday, we pray for the global mission of the church. You have given us a job to take your gospel and good news to the ends of the earth, to grab and find your people wherever they might be, and give them the good news that will bring them to a loving Father. Lord, we pray this for Abel and Daisy, these missionaries in Peru who have started a children's ministry on Saturday afternoons, that have a solid group there working for years prior to COVID, but now finally are able to get kids to attend again. Lord, we pray for the seed of the word to be planted in the hearts and to produce much fruit in the children there in these Peruvian cities. You've given these people a mission, a desire to work with children and we ask you to call your children out from among these people in Peru. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Go in peace. I will see you 
tomorrow.